Welcome to Women in Sustainability, the podcast where we speak with some of the world's foremost female professionals from across the sustainability field. With me, your host, Emily Fripp. This month, I have the pleasure of speaking to Marco Logman, whom I first met in her role as the Secretary General of the European Palm Oil Alliance a few years ago. Um, for those of you who don't know, palm oil is an amazing commodity and extremely versatile vegetable oil. It's near nearly everything we eat, we use, we consume, probably about 50% of all the packaged products you might find in a supermarket. And the majority of palm oil is grown in Indonesia and Malaysia, home to highly diverse forests and some of the world's most endangered species. So this is why sort of Margot and Margot's work to champion sustainable palm oil and its production and consumption has been so vital. Margot holds a, a unique combination of expertise in both nutrition and sustainable development. She's very well placed to bring these two worlds together. In her role as Secretary General, she convened global refining companies, palm oil producers and others across the supply chain and forged great strong partnerships to help us drive that market transition in Europe but further afield globally. Marco, you've since moved on from the world of Ipoa and today I'm thrilled that you've taken the time to come and talk to us about what you've learned and where we go next um, and how we can use women and sustainability in this sort of continued convening and engaging to drive the sustainability agenda. Marco, Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, as I've explained in my introduction, you've got an amazing um, background, um, unusual, highly unusual in some respects, but also incredibly um, sort of niche and, and that expertise of bringing together and convening people. I mean, that's how I met you at APOA. Um, that sort of ability to convene the conversations around the important and difficult, sometimes very difficult conversations of palm oil, but others, diverse actors um, and voices coming together and, and sort of not only having a discussion, but in a sort of practical impact-driven way. So it's great that you're here with us today to, to talk about some of that. And I'm always very curious when we, when we talk about learning, how on earth did you end up in the world of convening oil refiners, palm oil oil refiners in European, which just, it's, it's not exactly got the sexiest title on the planet for a job spec. So be really curious. So um, just welcome, lovely to have you here and, and just sort of open it up with, you know, how on earth did you end up becoming the Secretary General of, of OPOA? Well, thank you, Emily. It was a, a bit of a surprise to, to me too. Um First of all, thank you for having me here. It's always great to be with you and to talk with you. And I'm happy to do this now on this podcast where you have been uh, convening uh, all these great women in sustainability. So that's the first. Second, so I think there's two parts in your question. First is convening. The second one is the palm oil refining bit. I think the, the convening is, is a bit in my blood. They used to call me the mother of all stagiaires at, when I was working at Nestle. And I think it's just something that, <laughs> that comes natural to me. The palm oil refiners, I think that's that's probably because there was a big need and because I had the right skills and assets. So what they asked me to do, uh, and maybe, I don't know if, um, if it's clear to the audience, but I used to work in the fats and oils Business, but mainly for for producer companies like Unilever and Nestle, Friesland Company, etc. 
And um, palm oil was something that they used to solve a problem, a nutritional problem, the trans fat problem. So palm oil was a, was a good alternative that had the same, um, the same properties and was not as bad as the trans fats that were produced synthetically uh, by, uh, by heating, especially uh, certain fats and, and changing the properties. So for me, it was very simple. They asked me to, to explain that. It wasn't really explained in, in, in the public uh, arena. So I said, okay, I can do that because I've worked in that space for a long time and it will take me one or two years. And then you start realize that for palm oil, even though it's a very specific ingredient and a specific topic, there are lots of other topics that are related on sustainability issues and on social issues. And if you explain one part to a person or to an organization, then they say, yeah, yeah, but it's also sustainability is also a problem or deforestation uh, very much linked to palm oil or social issues linked to palm oil. And then you realize you cannot stop with nutritional parts as, as such. You need to go in the other spaces as well to give a comprehensive um, story. That's on the palm oil part. And then sort of coming together, I mean, it's, it, you know, watching this evolve, this whole debate, and it continues to evolve over the last 15, 20 years. And I remember back in the world of timber in, in the sort of late 90s when you were having conversations with with people and it was, it was male-dominated, it was timber trade, it was business, it was good income, it was good money and legality, sustainability, they were a, a bit annoying and got in the way a bit really. And, you know, will I make money out of this? What's the business case for this? And I don't know about you, but I mean, my experience was very much, okay, we've got to make this into a business case. This this is, people recognize there's an importance to this and there's an emotional aspect to it. But unless we make this into good business, then companies um, coming around the table, you know, it's very difficult to get it embedded within what they're doing. Um, and I'm sure from your work with with sort of Nestle and Unilever, Friars Land Campina, I probably said that horribly wrong. You, you've seen that sort of, uh, that that whole evolution of that conversation. Is, is that how you perceived it as well over the period? And, and, and sort of, how did you see it evolve? Yeah, the, the short answer is yes. The long answer is um, it is doing these sustainability activities and, and having commitments for a long time was very much a corporate social responsibility risk management. So it was not really about the things that the companies wanted or not that the shareholders wanted. This was something that you do to avoid public yeah, public uh, risk. I think it changed over time. I think especially with the young people coming in, they have a different view on what is needed to, to make sure their future is a, is a nice one and, and the one that they can, can develop and, and get to the, yeah, get to a point that they, they have a good life and a, and a, a good, um, good development. But the companies changed, and I think lots of things changed. So I know that for Unilever, for example, the Dow Jones Index of the worst nutrition uh, nutritional companies was influential to get the three-year policy that we were developing come to a conclusion and then finally 
implemented within the company. So external factors play a very strong role, and the same holds for the sustainability aspects. I think if there's not the if there weren't the NGOs or the the public that would raise their voice or the young people that would raise their voice, nothing would change. To get first this awareness and then um, change it into something that actually is tangible and that can drive change, I think it's 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 very very important. For companies, I think it slowly trickles down with different initiatives into the into the governance and are now finally into business cases. I think we're now at the stage, and I think you 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 may agree, that companies see sustainability as a business case. It's not separate or corporate social responsible risk management. It's really a business case and how can we incorporate it and in, in involve sustainability in our long-term strategy and future. So I think that's a that's a that's a very good development. And have you seen, I mean, the role of women within this this sort of conversation and and their role within large corporates and and within this, I guess, two pronged question. So the the role of women within the corporates, but also role of women within this convening space, evolve and change over the last few years. Yeah, in corporates, I was never so much aware. I think. Uh, I never realized that women had a different um, long-term perspective than men in corporates because I think I was lucky. I was joining Nestle quite quickly after after I finished my studies. But then the higher up you, you get to work or with people higher up in the organization, you see that's very male-dominated. And I, I dread to say it, but it's really the old boys network. And they have a different approach than women. They work very different than women in general. So the the appreciation of women virtues, the way they get things done, the way they convene parties, etc., more soft skills, is very different than for men. And that that is changing now over time, but it wasn't 10 years ago. Yeah, I think definitely have, have witnessed and seen that. And, and seeing how things um, have evolved. And, and the conversation has been broadened out, um, uh, yeah, from sort of... it was There was a sort of large dominance of, of women probably within the NGO space or the academia space on the social issues, the environmental issues, and not necessarily the ones sitting around making the decisions within corporates. Um, and then through your work with, with the power, um, you know, I mean, that's... That's fascinating from from my side because you have the leading refiners and some of the big companies in Europe coming together around a table to talk about these sort of environmental issues, um, sustainability issues, which is good business and longevity of business at the heart, but also with um, producing countries who come at this from quite a different viewpoint because for them it's their livelihood, it's it's perfectly normal and and just and fair that they're able to develop and use this. How have you handled that sort of bring, being able to bring those conversations together? Well, it was very interesting. It was very honestly, it was a bit of a advocacy lobby group in the beginning. But then when everybody realized that they had the same commitment and the same interest and that in order to 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 save that interest, you need to really 
pursue that commitments, those commitments, and work together with governments and with NGOs, and that slowly merge together into a, a shared commitment and responsibility that that ended up in a voluntary 93% uptake of sustainable palm oil. It's not only my doing, but I think it's people look at each other. If, if you bring people together with the, with the same mindset, they look at each other, they get inspired a lot. And I think making that happen has actually sped up the the uptake of sustainable palm oil. I, I remember conversations with you in the UK, with Spain, with Italy, with, with, with Sweden, all of the countries that are so much involved in this in this space. And mind you, you I'm in the Netherlands. I only know so many languages. I don't know all the different cultures or, or political uh, uh, sensitivities in a country. So each country in Europe did their own thing, but they were all on the same page with the same passion to make this change happen. And that honestly was, for me, the best experience that I've had in my whole career. Having all these people working towards the same goal and then achieving it and then celebrating it together, that was fantastic. That was really magnificent. And I think, you know, your your personal ethos and and has always been very focused on that positive mindset on on thinking about this from the implementation and the impact and cooperation and partnerships i mean can you tell us more about what that means for you in your work and how you operate the sort of positivity that you, that you're you're so fantastic at doing in driving forward some of the conversations yeah i was thinking how to explain i think you're talking about the the producing country they need somehow to um, to get on the same page. And I think the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals open up that space because they have signed it, Europe has signed it, so you're all talking about the same. The way you interpret it and the way you see what the priorities are, that is a bit different. But being in that space of the same shared goals, I think, and then developing this strategy that's especially important for for Palmo, that, that is a first one. And I re- remember this as a build, because then build commitment and strategy and then understand what needs to be done. So that's the U of build. Then in, initiate those activities, but you cannot do it on your own. We're, pe- we're way past that moment of doing things on your own as an individual or individual organization. Then link with other organizations, other countries, different types of organization, governments, NGOs, etc. And then deliver, simply look at the, the end of the, of the road and see, hey, we're all heading here. How far do we get? And honestly, we got a lot more than I hoped for. I like to do a, I like to do a bet and I had a bet with somebody of foreign affairs in the Netherlands and I said, well, this 100%, will we ever get there? I said, well, I'm an 80-20%. And then finally, I could tell her in 2020 that we managed to go above 90% of uptake. So I had a very small gift, a bottle of wine. But I still, this was a bet she she really (laughs) wanted to lose. So that was a, a very interesting thing. It, it, it is, isn't it? We've, we've sort of, I've seen the focus in Europe, you know, be 
be focused on can we get the 100%, can we do this? And, and I think at the moment we're in a an interesting um, period where there is a sort of desire for the perfection in, in say, Europe and the UK markets, but perhaps, um, well, you know, there's a risk that we don't bring everybody along on that journey exactly. and, and sort of make sure all markets and producers come with us. And I, th- I know it's something you and I both hold as a core value of how do we instigate change globally um, and, and a real impact on the ground for the way we go. I mean, we've seen these, you know, commitments come, timelines come moving forward. We're now in February 2023. IPOA sadly no longer exists. And I think I'm not alone in saying that we, we, we need you to, to be around as that convener, the job's not done. And bringing people together and trying to balance those different opinions. So where where do you think the sort of opportunities, challenges lie now moving forward? I mean, you know, if Palmol is 90% done in in Europe, what next? And is it just Palmol or, or beyond? And, and I think how do we how do we move to the next level? You know, I mean, I I really hope that we can sort of retire and move on and, and not hand over these conversations to the, the generations coming behind us almost, you know, I hope that they get a new thing to focus on. Yeah, honestly, I don't think we're going fast enough. I was really happy with the progress in Europe, but outside of Europe, a lot still needs to be done. And not only palm oil, because palm oil, I think, is really a good example of how things can get progress and, and, and develop. So I think there's three answers to your question. I think we need to think globally more than just Europe. And I totally agree with you that um, legislation as we see it now can actually um, lower the the benefits that we had with voluntary agreements and and delivery of results uh, beyond repair if we don't manage the relationship with the producing countries and to include smallholders and to think it's not only about forests, it's also about people People need to make a, an income. And the poverty, and you can see it happening all around the world, poverty, hunger. We know that it's happening. It, 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 it's people, it's companies, of uh, families, it's, it's women, it's children. If you don't take care of those, we cannot take care of the environment. So we need to do both at the same time and not just go and protect forests. I think... There's also the part of the other fats and oils. If palm oil is heading on the right track, there's still um, the the soy, there's still the other uh, tropical commodities. But we also have to look in the Western societies where we do. We have we have taken down forests for a long time, and the status quo has changed. But we have to be honest and fair towards those countries that still need to develop and have to take care of the. The poor people and the 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 they need the socio-economic uh, progress as well as we did, and it needs to be in a fair place, not because um, because we're already there. Uh, we cannot allow them to do the same. Not the same. We need to learn from each other. We have to help them and teach them to do things immediately in a better way than what we do what we learned over the last uh, decades, hundreds of years. We cannot let them make the same mistake or we won't be there anymore. 
So that's the part on the other fats and oils. And then I think it's also, we need to do what we can. I mean, we can have big dreams and big plans, but you can only do so much. So I think each individual, imagine that each individual would just do what he could do in the right direction. And there's so many directions in the right direction. So, But imagine that my, I look now into the street of my, that everybody would do something about deforestation and something about social insecurity and something to help uh, women around the globe who are targeted almost in a malignant way, I think. Then there would also be a big change if everybody does it. If everybody has 10 people around them that they can influence positively and do also something in the positive direction, we would see a different world. And that's what I hope for, that it's not only a few people and a small conglomerate or small uh, joint alliances or organizations that do that, but that everybody is doing this. And then you can make dreams happen. I'm sure you can. I, I I couldn't agree more, but you've been so beautifully eloquent in how you've expressed that, and and it's it's extremely pertinent and and important. I think we spend a lot of time where, you know, we we in particular in our jobs as women in sustainability have this sort of big agenda and big to do list, and sometimes it's it's pretty despondent when you look at the news. But like you say, it's kind of what small thing can I do and and. Rose and others in my team have had many a time where I've sort of said it's it, it's one one small thing the, the the waste the the food consumption if we all just consume a little bit less if we all walk a little bit more if we if we if we plant a bit more if we look after our gardens and and do just that little bit and like you say if there's sixty plus million people in the UK if we all did one little thing um, what a difference that would make. Um, in, in the way we, we live and, and work. And like you say, it's, 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 it is hard. We, we need to set the right um, examples. We have to do an, a, as we preach, as it were, in our, in, when we're talking to others around the world. And we hope that that can come across in a way that people can learn from um, and we can support and engineer rather than sort of dictate to, which is unfortunately how sometimes things come across. Um, it's been fascinating chatting to you, and I and I could talk for hours, as you know. You and I have both talked for hours before, um, but for those listening on our podcast, we can't necessarily keep on going for as long as we would normally chat. I think you know, that was such a great statement, and I'm sure we're going to sort of reflect back on on that positivity that we've come back to. But if if you had sort of three words of advice to women coming up in this journey or, or heavily involved in this journey what would what would they what would they be i think a lot of people feel a bit insecure so i would say be bold be brave step up and make yourself heard because your voice counts a lot and then rise up to the occasion it may not be easy but go for it because you are very valuable and we need that balance between men and women to change the mix so yes, go for it. That's that's my point. Two words, eh? go for it. <laughs> A huge thank you to Margot and thank you all for listening. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe and we hope you can join us soon for another episode. Episodes come out on or around the 8th of every month. <laughs>